Hello, this is Harry Thomason, and welcome to The Story You Never Heard, produced, edited, and scored with original music by our friend Benji Gaither in Nashville. On this podcast, we'll tell you stories about your world, your country, your people, and things that happened long ago and not so long ago. Stories you've probably never heard until now. Here's tonight's tale. Smallest Angel. Excitement rippled through the city of Miami upon hearing the United States President-elect of 1932, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, has chosen Florida for his last vacation before heading back to his New York home and on to his March the 4th, 1933 inauguration. His original plan was to take his private railway car into Jacksonville, board the Astor family yacht, go fishing for several days, and then return to Jacksonville to head home. But the publisher of the Fort Lauderdale Daily News suggested that, upon the yacht's return, Roosevelt attend a rally in Miami, where he could meet influential Southern Party leaders and then leave for New York from there. Roosevelt agreed that it was a great idea. The sun was setting on February the 15th, 1933, as the Astor family yacht sailed into Biscayne Bay and tied up at the municipal dock. After an onboard festive farewell dinner, Roosevelt met with reporters and discussed his trip and how much he enjoyed fishing. The reporters left, and Roosevelt met with the mayor of Miami, Redmond Gautier, to be escorted to Bayfront Park, where near the bandstand, the largest crowd ever to assemble in the history of Miami, over 25,000 people were waiting. It was a warm February evening. The trees were filled with red, white, and blue lights and there was a floodlight pointing right at the president-elect's car. The park was filled with the sounds of blaring music from the American Legion Drum and Bugle Corps, plus the happy noise of thousands of people cheering and clapping. In the crowd was a man, not very tall, dressed in brown slacks and a brown print shirt. This man was Giuseppe Zangaro, called Joe by people who knew him. As the motorcade nosed through the crowd, Vincent Asher, riding in the last car, commented on how this would be a dangerous situation for any president, given the size of the crowd and the openness of Roosevelt's green Buick convertible, and that the country should probably rethink its ways. The nation still didn't know that Roosevelt could not walk without assistance because of his bout with polio, so he never got out of the car to speak. It simply drove to the front of the outdoor amphitheater, and he remained in the car propped up on the back seat. Someone handed him a microphone because it was being broadcast on radio in the Florida area, and he started speaking. Roosevelt's speech was both brief and inconsequential. The president-elect delivered his 145-word speech in less than one minute. After completing his speech, Roosevelt handed the microphone back to Mayor Gaudier. The president-elect then shifted his attention to the dignitaries that came down from the stage to greet him. One of those dignitaries was Anton Sermak, the mayor of Chicago. FDR and Sermak had a very good relationship, and Sermak had important Chicago business to discuss with Roosevelt, which is why he traveled all the way from Chicago to meet with him. Roosevelt suggested that they talk on the train a little later in the evening. Sermak agreed, nodded, and then walked to the back of the car, which put him between the president-elect and the line of sight of Giuseppe Sangaro. 
It was an adoring and cheering crowd. After it was over, throngs of people rushed toward the Buick just to get a closer glimpse of the man they believed would save them from the Great Depression. The crowd, the screaming women, the ear-bursting cheers, it seemed almost like in what later years would be an Elvis concert. The excited, almost jubilant, five-foot-one-inch Giuseppe Sangara was able to make his way to the third row of the benches, but the mass crowd made it unable for him to get any closer. But he was ecstatic to be even within roughly 25 to 30 feet from where Roosevelt had just spoken. Lillian Cross, the nominative wife of a Miami physician, was excited to see Roosevelt also. She wanted to get as close as she could, and like Zangara, worked her way through the dense crowd as far as she could and finally stood on a rickety bench so she could see Roosevelt sitting atop of the back seat of his beauty. As chance would have it, another person stood on the same wobbly bench with her. It was Zangara. So many stood up in front of me, Lillian Cross said, that I couldn't see. So I stood up on one of the benches, and this man stood up with me. The crowd cheered, the band played, and suddenly the euphoric Zangara whipped out a 32 caliber pistol and from only 20 feet away aimed at Roosevelt. But in the blink of an eye, the tiny Lillian saw it, grabbed his arm, screaming. Her screams lost in the sea of cheering for FDR. Zangara was wild-eyed and punching her, but now he fired, but with superhuman strength. She deflected his arm away from Roosevelt and hung on, and he fired again. Members of the band scrambled to help Lillian subdue the now-crazed Sangara as he screamed, too many people are starving, too many starving. And he fired a total of five shots with Lillian still screaming, hanging on him and trying to deflect each shot. I said to myself, he's going to kill the president. And I caught him by the arm, and I twisted it up. The courage of one small woman who pitted her strength against the determination of a crazed gunman saved President Roosevelt's life, but the five shots wounded five other people. However, it was Chicago's Mayor Cermak who had gotten the worst of the injuries. As soon as the shots were fired, FDR's driver, horn blaring, began to plow through the crowd away from the scene in order to get the president-elect out of danger. Roosevelt looked back and saw Cermak bloody and double over in pain. He insisted that his driver and the Secret Service stop and help Cermak. The Secret Service scrambled to get Cermak into the convertible amid the chaos and the screaming, and then the presidential procession rushed to Jackson Memorial Hospital in an attempt to save Cermak's life. The bullet hit Chicago's Mayor Cermak in the right rib cage. He was in bad shape. FDR was given credit for keeping him from going into shock by compressing his wound and with encouraging words during the frantic dash to the hospital. Although he seemed to be on the road to recovery for a while, on March the 6th, just 19 days after he was shot, the Chicago mayor died due to complications from his wounds incurred from Zangaro's bullet. One of the last statements Mayor Cermak uttered to the newly elected Roosevelt was, I'm glad it was me and not you, Mr. President. What if it had been FDR mortally wounded? How dramatically different would the course of U.S. history have been? Of course, we will thankfully never know the answer to these questions, but it's always worth pondering how narrowly this country's fate escaped being drastically altered during the height of the Great Depression and prior to the Americans' entry into World War II. What if this tiny woman had not gone up against a madman and kept him from killing the elected president? But she did. So lift your glass to toast Lillian Cross, a 98-pound angel, 
who on a Miami night long ago may have saved the world. Good night, and we'll see you next time on The Story You Never Heard. this audio adventure and will join us every 10 days for a brand new The Story You Never Heard. To help us continue to produce new and engaging stories, please consider supporting us. Go to our website at www.thestoryyouneverheard.com to find out more. By supporting us, you'll get more stories plus great gifts, and your support will only cost about the same as a large box of popcorn per month at the movies. Subscribe and treat yourself to a great shared adventure. This show is executive produced by Douglas Jackson and our technical consultant and website administrator is John Balderson. Thank you for listening. Have a good night and we'll see you in 10 days.